Man, good morning. God so loved the world, he gave his only son. And that's what our service is all about this morning. We want to uplift the name of Jesus Christ. I want to welcome those of you who are online there. Uh, be sure to do all those things on each one of those platforms uh, that you need to do to heart, to like, to share, to follow, subscribe. All that just helps to get the word out there. And then also welcome to our phone live streaming folks. If you want any of that information, uh, see me after the service. We'll be glad to give that to you so you can know how to get on those as well as uh, the phone number for our phone live streaming. Uh, if you have access to our church website, uh, I want to encourage you to go to highlandbaptistchurch.com. You can download the worship bulletin there under the info tab. Uh, also, the children's worship bulletins, if you need those in person, they're in the windowsill to my right. There's ages 3 and up and ages 7 and up uh, for each one of those. So be sure to grab one of those, uh, print those off at home, download them to your device, uh, share them with your kids there, share them with the grandkids, however you want to do that. Uh, and then also do, be sure to get one of these if you're here in person. Uh, they're at the doors and also some in the windows. Uh, the, the, deacon, uh, the ushers will be glad to give you uh, one of those. And then also the prayer guides are out here across from the office uh, in the book display thing there. So be sure to grab one of those. You can see I've written all over mine some other prayer requests. Uh, but I encourage you to download that under the info tab there also and be praying for each one of those individuals. We'll share some more prayer requests at the very end of our service today. But isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord today? Day. Amen. Amen. Hey, we had to miss last week and not all be here in person, uh, but hope you were able to tune in online there and, and to enjoy the service there. Uh, if you didn't do that, I'd encourage you to go back. That was our last uh, sermon in the series on the life of Jesus. So if you missed that, go back and watch that on any of our platforms there. So, But welcome to those who are here this morning. If you're one of our guests, one of our first-time guests, uh, we want to encourage you to pick up one of these bags on the side of the stage or at the doors as you leave. It's a gift bag that we want to give to you to say welcome. Glad to have you with us. It's got some information about our church, but then it's also got some gifts. I think a little bit of candy and stuff in there too. So be sure to grab one of those uh, if you're one of our guests this morning. So, Brother Mike. I know that I'm glad the only snow I see this morning are the ones in some of us's head. <laughs> Take your hymnals and turn to 572, and let's join the choir as we sing, I Love to Tell the Story.
Amen. You'll notice on the screen as well as in your bulletins, our missionary of the week is Nancy Potter, uh, who is serving the Asian Pacific Rim peoples. Uh, you can read her story there in your bulletin, so be sure to grab that. But just to kind of highlight there what she is doing, God is using her uh, as she travels to teach uh, health care classes in impoverished Muslim villages in Southeast Asia. Uh, and there's a specific story there I'd encourage you uh, to read about her uh, impacting people and their lives by reaching out to them when no one else could. Uh, there's a lot of uh, places in those areas where she's ministering to uh, that they're not like here, where you can just jump in your car if you need medical assistance uh, and drive to a doctor or drive to an urgent care or drive to a hospital. Uh, many of these people are hours away from any kind of medical care. And so by having Nancy Potter there who is uh, teaching healthcare uh, classes and things like that and being able to minister to them, uh, it's opening opportunities for her to be able to share the gospel there. So we want to pray that God will continue to bring fruit from Nancy's uh, teams and the efforts there uh, despite the challenges that they faced uh, on the mission field. So we want to uplift Nancy Potter and all of our missionaries in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for the blessing that we have this morning to be in your presence, gathered together to worship, gathered together to prayer. You've told us in your word where two or three are gathered together in your name, there you will be also. And so we know you are present here with us this morning. Lord, we don't want anything to hinder our prayers with you, as you've told us in your word, that if we hold on to sin in our hearts or our lives, you will not hear from heaven. So we come first to confess uh, any sin that we may have, Lord, any things that we may have sinned against you or things that we didn't do that we should have done. Uh, that are sin. And so, Father, I pray that you would cleanse us with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, that you would hear our prayers this morning. Lord, first of all, we want to uplift Nancy Potter, one of our international missionaries, and ask, Lord, for your blessings upon her as she continues to minister, uh, Lord, to the Asian Pacific Rim peoples and, and sharing the gospel through the ministry of health care ministry. And, Father, I just pray that you would use her uh, and her ministry there in a powerful way, open opportunities uh, and more doors for her to be able to share the gospel uh, by ministering to people in their times of need, especially uh, in those Muslim areas where she is uh, serving at. And we just pray, God, that you will uh, pour out your spirit upon her and upon those people around, uh, that as those who come to faith in Christ, uh, Lord, they would be empowered and strengthened in their hearts to also be witnesses uh, to their people. And Father, we just pray your blessings upon all of our missionaries. We pray, God, that you would bless us, uh, that as we give, each and every Sunday we're giving towards uh, supporting those missionaries, but especially uh, with our special missions offerings like the Lottie Moon Christmas offering that goes to our international missionaries. Father, we pray that you would continue to bless us as we continue to seek to reach our, our goal. Lord, we just pray that you'll pour out your blessings on us, uh, that we would far exceed uh, that goal that we have set. And so, Father, we pray for your will to be done as we participate uh, with supporting our missionaries as well as praying for them. So, Lord, bless us this morning as we come to worship you. Lord, many times we come with broken hearts. We come with broken minds. We come with broken body pieces. And, Father, we know that you are able to heal physically as well as able to heal spiritually. And so we pray this morning, Lord, that you will bring healing to our hearts. Lord, that you will stir us in our hearts this morning, that if we're here and we don't know Christ as our Lord and Savior, may we hear the gospel message in the songs we sing and the word that is preached, and may it bring people to faith in Christ. May there be others, Lord, who are Christians who will be stirred in their hearts, Lord, to be the faithful witness we need to be, to not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So bless uh, the service this morning. Uh, bless your word. Bless the songs we sing. And may you be glorified and honored in the name of Jesus be uplifted. In his name we pray. 
Amen and amen. Uh, let me just remind you, too, you can do your giving uh, this morning. You should find envelopes there in front of you in your pews. Uh, if you don't see one there, there are some at the, the doors and the little holders there, so be sure to grab one. Uh, we also still have some of our Lottieman Christmas offering envelopes. Be sure to grab one of those if you've not given uh, to that yet also. And then let me just remind you that down here in front of the pulpit, uh, we have our Who's Our One uh, bookmarks and cards there. I want to encourage you uh, to grab one of those, to be praying for an individual who you know that doesn't know Christ, uh, you want to tear off that blue piece uh, that kind of looks like that when you tear it off, put it in the offering plates uh, as you leave today. Uh, and then we are collecting the names from those uh, to be able to give out some cards later. But we're going to put your blue card over here uh, on the cross. And then you take the bottom piece here, uh, which is a bookmark with some uh, places here to pray for for 30 days for that individual uh, that you've uh, listed uh, on the back of your bookmark also. So we want to encourage you to do that as we're seeking to reach our one this year uh, for Christ uh, and just encourage you to do that. It is awesome to be back in service. It's good to see all those who could come uh, today and just want to say welcome again. So, Take your hymnals now and turn to 576 and join us as we sing Take the Name of Jesus with You. 576.
turn your hymnals now as we prepare for this final song. Uh, we want to sing 581. We've, we have heard the joyful sound. Children will be gathering on the piano side during this song. So let's stand and, and praise the Lord through 581.
commitment to proclaim him every day. Shouting from the mountains that Jesus is the way. He gave the commission and now it's up to you and me. It's time to declare it. Somebody needs to share it. of the gospel. I begin a new series this morning uh, entitled Impact, Living Out Our Mission, and that's what we're going to be looking at over the next several uh, weeks. And so, um, as, you, as I said earlier, if you didn't catch the last sermon there of our The Life of Jesus series, I encourage you to go back online uh, and to watch that. So, but the next few weeks we're going to be looking at this on how can we as a church, how can we as individuals make the impact for God's kingdom that we need to be making and that He commands us uh, to be making. And so we're going to begin this morning with this passage that went along with this song we just heard just a moment ago, uh, that I am not ashamed of the gospel. So if you would, let's stand and read God's Word and honor His Word. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. 
For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to this passage this morning and begin this new series uh, over these next several weeks, Lord, I pray that you would use this to lay a foundation in our hearts, Lord, to stir our hearts to a more passionate walk with you than we've ever had before. Lord, we know that sometimes uh, we've allowed things to to distract us from the main mission that you've called us to. Uh, Father, I pray that as we've heard in the life of Jesus over these last uh, two weeks, we've heard the Great Commission uh, as Jesus was getting ready to ascend, and then we... We heard that we are to be his witnesses uh, right before he ascended. And Father, I pray that we would accept that call uh, as we've accepted the call to follow him. Uh, It is a a demand upon our lives to be uh, in missions, to be on mission uh, for you, whether that's here locally, uh, in our state, our nation, or even around the world, and especially even supporting those. So Lord, help us to realize this morning that for us as individuals in a church, one of the places it begins for us is right here with the gospel. Father, I pray this morning that the gospel would be a part of the very fabric of our lives this morning, the very fabric of our church uh, in sharing the gospel. And as we share the gospel and those are come to faith in Christ, that we would disciple them and teach them uh, in the truths of your word. So, Father, I pray for your will to be done in this message this morning. Touch our hearts in a powerful way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You can be seated. I want to say this morning, first of all, words matter. Words matter. There are words and messages that are life-changing. I do. Those are life-changing words. Those words are meant to seal uh, what, what you hope is a lifelong relationship with the person that you love the most. I'm pregnant. Those are life-changing words. Because you're never the same once you become a parent and you learn the agony of children, but that leads to the glory of grandchildren. (laughs) I want a divorce. Life-changing words to the two people who are involved, to the children who are involved, to the family and the friends that are involved, everybody's life changes almost always with those words for the worst. You're hired or you're fired. Either one of those words or phrases can lead either to the thrill of victory or to the agony of defeat. One message can cause you to, uh, can make you buy a house, the other could force you to sell your house we find the defendant guilty. Wow, life-changing words. Could lead you to either seeing life behind bars for a long time or facing the end of your life through the death penalty. You know, there's many more messages and many more words that can change the life of an individual, of a family, of a community, and even an entire nation here and now. But there's only one message that's been given in all of the history of the world that can change a life forever. There's only one message that when you receive it and believe it, it brings transformation both in this life and in the life to come. It's the only message that has an earthly effect and an eternal 
effect. It's the only message that can take you from death to life and from uh, darkness to light, from blindness to sight. And that message is known as the gospel. That message is true. And if it's true, it's the best news that the world has ever heard or ever will hear. Because the gospel is the only solution for the world's great problems. It's the only cure uh, for the world's greatest disease. It's the only bridge that can cross the world's greatest gulf. It's the spark that ignited the fire of Christianity that has now spread across the world and lasted over 2,000 people and has changed the lives today of over 2 billion people on this earth. You'd think that those who believe this gospel, you would think that those who have received this gospel would want this gospel to be heard around the world. You'd think that, uh, that a gospel-changed life would be eager to share it uh, with, uh, with anybody who's willing uh, to listen as eagerly as someone who has found a cure for every cancer. And yet every statistic that I've ever read says that the vast majority of people who believe in the gospel rarely if ever, share the gospel, and rarely, if ever, lead anybody else to faith in Jesus Christ. And so it begs the question, why would we ever be ashamed of the gospel? That's the question here that Paul, whose life was personally and radically and eternally changed by the gospel, that's the question he addresses in the single greatest statement anybody's ever made about the gospel. Look again at what it says. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's shocking when you look at that statement that Paul would even say that he's not ashamed of the gospel because God had, uh, because of what God had just said, if what he's about to say about the gospel is true, why would anybody ever be ashamed of the gospel? So why does Paul even have to say, I'm not ashamed? Because there were others who were. And so he's saying, in contrast to others, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. You know, let's all be honest with each other. We've all been ashamed of the gospel at one time or another in our lives. In fact, we're living in a day in which it seems, uh, to, to, in which we seem to be ashamed of things that are right and unashamed of things that are wrong. And there's one thing we should never be ashamed of, whether it's in a private conversation or a public discourse or, or preaching to the choir or proclaiming to the culture, whether it's in God's house or whether it's in the courthouse, whether it's in the halls of this church or in the halls of government, and that's to bring salvation to everyone who believes. There are three things I want you to see this morning that the gospel always brings to the table in which we should never be ashamed. First of all, don't be ashamed of the message of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the message of the gospel. Notice how Paul begins here. Paul begins and says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. 
Now, we need to, begin, need to understand to be sure we understand what we're not ashamed of. D.L. Moody, the famous evangelist, once said, I don't think there's a word in the English language so little understood as the word gospel. You know, many people even struggle to understand what do you mean by the word gospel. Now, the meaning of the word gospel just literally means good news. Uh, the word gospel was originally used in the village square after a decisive battle had been won. There would be a messenger or a herald who would come and he would scream to the top of his lungs, good news, good news, we won the battle, the victory is ours. That's the way the word gospel originally came to be. Why would anybody be ashamed of the good news? I mean, if your, your country had just won the battle, uh, you would want everybody to know that. Why would we hesitate? Why would we equivocate when it comes to sharing the good news, which really is the best news that anybody will ever hear? You can understand why somebody, though, would hesitate to share bad news. I mean, think about it. No military officer wants to share the bad news that a, another soldier has been killed in action. No police officer wants to share with a parent that a son or a daughter has been arrested for murder. No doctor wants to tell a patient that a tumor they have is inoperable. The gospel isn't about bad news. The gospel is about good news. I mean, think about it. If a baby is born healthy, uh, then the father isn't ashamed to tell everyone. When you get the news that the, the tumor is benign, the doctor isn't afraid to tell the patient, you're going to live, you're going to make it. Uh, when the sun's going to shine and there's not going to be any snow and any ice, the weatherman, he's not afraid to make his prediction. When interest rates are going down and the stock market's going up, stockbrokers aren't afraid to talk about the economy. So why would any of us ever be ashamed of the gospel if it's good news. Well, if you go back 2,000 years, there are two words that might explain the tendency to be ashamed that can sometimes still be true today, and those words are Christ and cross. Christ and cross. Think about it. The gospel is all about a poor Jewish carpenter who was crucified as a common criminal. Here's Paul who is writing this here in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. He is going to Rome, which is the capital city of the most powerful nation on the earth at that time. Uh, he's going to Rome, and Rome is the world's only superpower at that moment. So Paul is going to talk to, to Roman soldiers. He's going to talk to eight military commanders. He's going to talk to powerful politicians. He's going to even uh, go before an emperor who is worshipped as God himself and talk about a Jewish carpenter who neither had any political power or any political position. To add insult to injury, this carpenter was crucified, a Jew, at that. In a civilized society, you didn't talk about the cross and crucifixion. I mean, how would you talk to them about a lowly Jewish carpenter who died the most gruesome, the most humiliating death of the vilest criminal would ever face and could ever imagine? 
Beyond that, how would you tell them that this isn't a story that somebody made up, but that it's actually historically true? Because you understand the implications of those two words, cross and Christ. Because if Jesus is who he said he was, and if he did on the cross what he said he did, then not only is he the crucified Son of God, he's the only way to God because he is God. And then from that day to this day, that's a message most of the world doesn't want to hear. So if you share that message, if you share the gospel, understand that you'll be crucified by the world physically and figuratively, and the world will be crucified to you. The reason why Paul wasn't ashamed of the gospel message is because he wasn't ashamed of the God of the gospel. If we're ashamed of the gospel, that's a message about what we believe about God. Don't be ashamed of the message of the God, gospel because the message of the gospel is that God so loved you that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to die on a cross for you, to be resurrected from the grave for you so you could have eternal life. So Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Secondly, I want you to see, he says, don't be ashamed of the might of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the might of the gospel. He goes on to say, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. I mean, look at it here. Except for Jesus Christ himself, nothing else in all of the Bible is even described as the power of God. So in light of heaven itself, the power of God in its highest and greatest intensity is found inside the gospel. That word power would have caught the attention of Romans, of people in Rome. The one thing that Rome understood was power. At that time, the Roman Empire was, as we said, the only superpower in the world, and yet Paul was willing to go into the belly of the beast, if you will. He was willing to, to walk into the highest levels of the greatest power known in the world and say, you may have power to conquer people. You may have power to enslave people, but only the gospel has the power to change people. There's no greater power than the gospel because there's no power greater than God himself, and the gospel is the power of God. Let me encourage you this. You know, we so often want to see God move. We want to see God stir within our churches. We want to see revival in our churches. Here is where the power comes from. The power of God is the gospel. Today we live in a world that believes that the greatest power that's ever been discovered is nuclear power. I mean, think about it. You ever read or heard about the most powerful bomb that's ever been exploded in history? The Russians on October the 30th, 1961, detonated a bomb known as Tsar Bomba, or otherwise known as Soviet RDS-220. It weighed 60,000 pounds. It was so powerful that they told the pilots when they dropped the bomb they only had a 50% chance of surviving the blast. When it exploded, it was visible some 620 miles away. Its cloud went 40 miles high, 
seven times the height of Mount Everest. It released power equivalent to 50 megatons of TNT. That's 1,570 times the combined power of the bombs that were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. It was 10 times the power of all the conventional bombs dropped in World War II. Those bombs may have had the power to instantly blow the hearts out of millions of people and bring instant death, but the gospel has the power to blow sin out of the hearts of an entire world and bring eternal life. The gospel is more powerful than any other force on this earth. The gospel alone has the power to bring healing where there's hurt. The gospel alone has the power to bring happiness where there's heartache, to bring peace where there's pain to bring joy where there's judgment, to bring mercy where there's misery, to bring grace where there's guilt. No other message on this earth can do that. No other religion in this world has that message. They're all the same. They all tell you what you have to do, what you have to accomplish, where you have to go. And then in the end, they'll tell you that it's up to you to get there, it's up to you to make it, it's up to you to accomplish it. The gospel not only tells you to fly, it gives you wings. It not only tells you to jump, it gives you legs. It not only get, tells you to walk, it gives you feet. The gospel isn't the message of all that you have to do. It's a message of what's already been done for you on the cross by Jesus Christ. It has the power to do for us what we most need, but what we lack the power to do ourselves. The gospel has the power to do for us, in us, and with us what needs to be done for us, in us, and with us. The church is not the power of God. Religion is not the power of God. Work isn't the power. Our efforts are not the power of God. The, only the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God. So what is this power that separates the power of the Christian faith apart from all other religions? The gospel isn't good advice on what we have to do to obtain salvation. It's God's power that enables us to receive salvation. So don't be ashamed of the message of the gospel and don't be ashamed of the might of the gospel. Notice what else Paul says. Paul says, don't be ashamed of the ministry of the gospel. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. For salvation. Anyone who has ever lived has had the same problem. Every single one of us are all messed up people that live in a messed up world. We all have mistakes in the past. We all live with failures in the present and we'll all face uncertainty of the future. Everywhere you look, there's guilt, there's grief, and there's gloom. We're kind of like a swimmer who's in the middle of an ocean clinging to a raft. We're like a prisoner on death row facing execution. We're like an astronaut who's entering the atmosphere, but his heat shield is gone. 
We all need salvation. We all need healing for our past. We all need help for our present. We all need hope for our future. And so you tell me, can you think of anything more important in this world, in this life, and beyond than that of salvation? You understand this, you can die rich, you can die famous, you can die popular, you can die old and powerful, but what good is it if you don't die with Jesus Christ as your Savior? That's why there's nothing sweeter, nothing better, nothing greater than the gospel. Hollywood can make you famous. Wall Street can make you rich. Washington can make you powerful. A university can make you smart. The hospital can make you well. But only the gospel can get you saved. The gospel won't necessarily give you financially more. The gospel may not necessarily make you physically better. The gospel uh, will, though, make you eternally different. Let me ask you this morning, do you believe in miracles? Do you believe in miracles? Amen, I believe in miracles. I believe in miracles because the greatest miracle the world has ever seen is still taking place today, and that's the miracle of salvation. That's the miracle of salvation, and that's why the gospel is the greatest power in the world, because it's the, it takes the greatest power to perform the greatest miracles. It took power to perform the miracle of the parting of the Red Sea. All God had to do was snap his fingers. Moses just lifting that rod out over the, the Red Sea there as he did what God commanded him, and God parted the waters of the Red Sea. It took great power to make something out of nothing. All God had to do was open his mouth. He spoke the words, and as he spoke the words, this world and this universe were created. It took the greatest power to go from complete darkness to total light. All had God, God had to do was flip a switch. But to bring about salvation, God had to send his son, Jesus, to die on a cross and to come back from the dead so that we could have the power of God and the gospel unto salvation. That's why at any given moment, there's nothing more important going on in this world than, when, than wherever and whenever and to whomever the gospel is being preached. The best news of all is that salvation is available to all who believe. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, he says. To the Jew first, to his chosen people, but also to the Greek. What's he mean by the Greek? He doesn't just mean people who are living in Greece. He means to the world. That's what that term would refer to in that day. It would mean everybody who's not a Jew is considered a Greek at that point. And so he's saying it's, it's to the whole, it's to everyone, it's to the whole world. The gospel is for everybody. So look at that as this way. If the gospel isn't for everybody, then it's not for anybody. If it's for everybody, it is for everybody because everybody can believe. Nobody can behave themselves into salvation. In other words, you can't make yourself do good things and I'm going to live right and I'm not going to say bad things and I'm not going to do bad things and earn some way your salvation. There's nothing you can do to earn it. 
Nobody can behave themselves. Everyone, though, can believe themselves into salvation. The word believe isn't talking about the head, it's talking about the heart. Because belief is more than an intellectual decision. It's a decision to surrender everything you have and everything you are to a person, to the person of Jesus Christ. We're not saved simply by believing the plan of salvation. We're saved by surrendering to the man of salvation, to Jesus Christ. So full faith is saving faith when it becomes surrendered faith. But that is what makes the gospel so wonderful. Because here's what the world says. The world says, work, try, do, and you might achieve salvation. But the gospel says, believe. Believe on Jesus Christ and you will receive salvation. Someone once said, every saved person this side of heaven owes the gospel to every unsaved person this side of hell. That's why we're doing this emphasis of who's your one of encouraging you to begin praying. Because understand, salvation is not a thing you can do. You can't save anybody else. If you did, it wouldn't be a true salvation. What you have to do is to share the good news of the gospel and let the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, work in their lives because the, 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 the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So I understand, I, think, I understand here, look at this. I think there's only one way that any Christian ought to die. Only one way I want to die. I want to die unashamed and unafraid. I want to die unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and unafraid of death or what man could do to us. I want to look death and grave and the grave right in the eye and say, Death, you have no sting. Grave, you have no victory. That's the promise from the Word of God. And we can all die that way because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you this morning. Stop being ashamed of the gospel. Now, it doesn't stop there once you share the gospel. There's so much more we need to do once we share the gospel and a person comes to faith in Christ, but it begins there with the sharing of the gospel. So don't be ashamed of the message of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the might of the gospel. And don't be ashamed of the ministry of the gospel. God has commanded each and every one of us to be his witnesses. Go back, if you will, to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Jesus, as he's getting ready to ascend into the heavens, and this goes back to last week's message, he said, but you will receive power. What's the power he's talking about there? He's talking about the power of the Holy Spirit upon your life. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, here's what you're going to do. You're going to be my witness. It's not a, would you do it? He doesn't say, well, if you're comfortable in your life, will you, will you share with somebody in your, in your Jerusalem, in your neighborhood? He doesn't say, if you're comfortable, would you go somewhere across the state or the nation and, and share the gospel or even around the world? He says, you will be. 
When you trust in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, he says the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Sometimes we think it stops right here in my community, in my circles right here. Forget about those people out there. And you may never get to go over there to share the gospel with someone over there. But understand this, we have a responsibility to be supporting those who do. We have a responsibility to be praying for those who do go and to help them to be able to go in our place, in our stead, to places we would never go so that the gospel will go forth to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Why? Because of what Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says, because I am not ashamed. Are you ashamed this morning? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for your word and for your truth. Lord, I pray this morning, as we have begun the series, Lord, I pray that you would help us to not be ashamed. Lord, for whatever reasons in our lives, maybe it's because of fear of what others might say, questions they might ask, or, or, or the offense that it might bring to someone's life, that, that we just hesitate, and sometimes we just never share the gospel with anybody. Lord, I pray right now that you would change that in the culture of our lives, in the culture of this church, in the culture of the church at large. Lord, that those who are, who are believers, those who have trusted in Jesus as their Lord and their Savior, Lord, they would be burdened in their hearts to be the witnesses that you've called us to be. Lord, that we would not be ashamed of what you've done for us. And Lord, we would share with others the good news it's not bad news, it's good news, it's great news. Father, I pray that as we begin to, 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 to seek to be unashamed of the gospel, Lord, I pray that we would begin to pray for those individuals in our lives, in our circles of influence that we know don't know Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. Lord, I pray we'll become a part of this who's your one emphasis and make it a priority for our lives to pray Knowing, Lord, that salvation's not a, a work of me or, or, or a person who shares of us. It, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. And we need you working in their hearts and in their lives to bring them to salvation. But you need us to share with them. And so, Father, I pray that as we begin praying for those individuals uh, on our Who's Your One list, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be faithful as you give us opportunities, not us trying to make things happen that you're not working in, but, Lord, to seek, Lord, when you give us those opportunities, we're talking with them about something throughout the day. Lord, you would impress upon our hearts in a powerful way, share the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. And, Father, I pray that as we do that, may you change our lives and may you change the church, Lord, to have a priority on the mission that you've called us to be a part of, to impact this world for the kingdom of Christ. Lord, have your way and your will in this invitation. Lord, maybe there's somebody here this morning who for the first time has heard you love them. And they're hurting. And they're broken in their hearts. And they need Jesus. And Father, I pray they would call out to you this morning and say, Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. But I believe. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. 
I believe he was buried in the tomb, and I believe that he arose on the third day to give me eternal life. I ask this morning, Jesus, for you to come into my life and save me and help me to live for you all the days of my life. Change me inside out. Father, I pray that if someone's prayed something like that, would they come this morning to make that public profession of faith in Christ? Lord, there's others of us here this morning that we've not been faithful, we've been ashamed of the gospel. May we just simply come to pray at this altar, Lord, before you. Lord, there are others who are here this morning, you've been stirring in their hearts, working in their hearts for some time to come and to join this fellowship. Father, I pray that you would uh, lead them this morning to step up by faith to come and to join this church. Father, whatever decisions need to be made, we give it all to you and we ask for your will to be done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we stand, as we sing our hymn of invitation, would you come as the Lord lays on your heart. I have some announcements I want to share with you that are not in the bulletin. But first, I want a reminder of something that is in the bulletin. And since it does involve food, and we all like food, I'm going to ask Matt to share that with us. We have the chili cook-off coming up on the 3rd of February. And so just as a reminder, you can sign up if you want to put a chili in the contest. Uh, the sign-up sheet is by my office door. And also, I forgot to mention this a couple weeks ago, is we're also doing the dessert uh, uh, fundraiser for the Central Kids students. And so uh, the way it will work is if you want to sign up to bring a dessert, you can sign up on the bulletin board. By, there's a list by Pastor Jim's office door. And so we'll have that contest at, like we did last year as well. And so please sign up by Wednesday. And uh, if you are or if you already signed up for a chili cook-off, uh, I have your... Uh, instructions here for you to, as you prepare your chili. Also, uh, don't forget February 11th is our VBS uh, meeting. 
and the Super Bowl is that Sunday, so you don't have to worry because the Titans aren't in it, right? So you can, you can come to a VBS meeting instead. So hey, uh, be praying for VBS as VBS begins to kick off, and you know, be praying for the students that will, and the kids that will come through these doors. Uh, the Lord knows who they are, and again, it's an opportunity to share Jesus with, uh, uh, with the church of tomorrow, right? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Matt. For people that are on the missions team, Rima needs to meet with you briefly down by the organ immediately after service this morning, okay? And then another announcement that is not in the bulletin, the, the men's night of worship at Rutledge Falls will be held on uh, February the 3rd. So if you want to attend this or can attend this, let Jim know and he'll uh, count, you, count, count the people that will be going. And this afternoon, uh, there will not be a deacon's meeting. No deacon's meeting today. Next one will be February the 11th. And if you keep up with the, your weekly prayer list, got two additions to our weekly prayer list. One, one would be Wendy Hamlin. She's a relative of Linda Hawksmith. She is battling cancer. And we have Myra Watson, who is on the list, but an update on Myra is that she's been moved to Morning Point now. And she is also a cancer patient. I believe that's all the announcements I have. Does anyone else have anything they, they need to share? Okay, if not, let's go with the Lord in prayer, please. Everyone's graciously heavenly Father, we just humbly come to you in prayer this morning, thanking you once again for this Lord's Day and, and all our many, many blessings. We just thank you for each person here this morning, Heavenly Father, in this special time we've had to come to worship together and hear Brother Jim share, share the message that you laid on his heart. We just thank you for that time. May we take you this, this time, Heavenly Father, to lift up to you our, our many prayer concerns, uh, those that we have shared and those that we know about and those that we hold in our heart that privately we want to lift up to you, Heavenly Father. And with that being said, we just thank you, Heavenly Father, for always hearing our prayers, for the privilege of prayer, and for the power of prayer. For it is in Christ's holy name we do pray. Amen. <clears throat>